Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Please open up your Bibles to the Song of Solomon, chapter 4. When I was a phys ed teacher, one of the games we used to play with the kids, it was a type of a tag game. There was a, a, a boy in our class called Danny Yu. That was his, he was an Asian kid. And um, we used to have fitness twice a week. So the kids would always try to do something to get out of fitness. So uh, one of the games that we came up with was a tag game. So we made it look fun, and the kids really liked it, but they were running around like maniacs, so they were getting a lot of good fitness out of a half hour of the class. And we used to call it Danny U Fitness. So when they ever they heard Danny U Fitness, they'd be all pumped up. So the object of the game is this. Let's pretend you're on one side of the floor, and I'm on the other side of the floor. We'd blow the whistle, and then you would try to get to a boundary on the other side of me, and there'll be a line of people here that would try to get on a boundary, say the back wall. Now, let's just say, uh, Bob, you and Roberta were chosen to be it. So you were the taggers. So when the whistle was blown, this say 20 kids from here would run down there and 20 kids from down that end would run to this end. And you would try to tag them. And if you tagged them, they were on your team and now they would help you tag the rest of the class. And the winner was the one who didn't get tagged, the last one standing. And then they usually became the person that was the tagger for the next game. Now, some of the kids, though, let's say Bob and Roberta, you were the two people chosen. Well, let's say Bob was a real good friend of yours. I know he isn't, and you don't like him at all. No, I'm only kidding. Um, but uh, Bob is a friend of yours, so Bob would let you tag him. Some kids would let their friends tag him, and then they became a team with you to help. So you would always see like five or six kids just go real slow so they would get tagged by their friends, and then they would become the taggers. So they were captured by their friends. And once they were captured by their friends, they played the game and the numbers grew title of tonight's message is he captures my heart he captures my heart jesus captures my heart now i know a lot of you and jesus has captured your heart the question i have for you is how much of your heart does he have half of it three quarters of it 95 percent of it 10 percent of it how much of your heart has he captured Whenever you hear God's word, whether you're reading it or, or uh, listening to it on an audio tape or whatever, a CD, understand there's no coincidence that you are hearing God's word with your life on this planet. God has, has geared his word for you at that time, for you to hear it. It's not a coincidence for all eternity, you'll know all those times that God allowed you to take his words into your ears and into your heart. What does God still have to do to capture your heart? What does he have to do? 
Some of you are very serious in your walk with the Lord. Some of you are probably lukewarm. Some of you are just uh, maybe a Wednesday and a Sunday type of Christian. You listen and that's it. And the other five days of the week, it's really you're disconnected with the Lord. But boy, when somebody captures you, I mean, let's think of a, a prison, right? They capture somebody, they're put in a cell. There's really no place else they can go. Everything's centered around the four walls and what they're doing inside that prison. Well, God loves you so much that he sent his son to capture you, to rescue you, to take you out of this world so you don't, you're not going to perish but have everlasting life. And every day of our lives, the adversities, the good things, the things that come into our life are there because God is refining you and me. He's purifying us through the circumstances and the people he puts into our lives. Tonight, as we go into the Song of Solomon, chapter 4, we're going to break it up for the next 25 minutes, and we'll see how far we get. But right now, we're going to look at verses 5 through 8. Okay, and this is uh, my, the beloved speaking. Now, the beloved represents Jesus Christ. And the beloved right now is speaking to the Shulamite woman. The woman represents you and me if you haven't been with our study. So Jesus is revealing his heart to you and me. So let's see what we get out of this tonight. Verse 5. Your two breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle, which feed among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee away. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinir and Hermon, from the lion's den, from the mountains of the leopards. You'll find that um, not all churches will cover the Song of Solomon. There's so many different ways people approach the Song of Solomon. In these verses, one of the things that God's revealing to me is his heart and compassion and the intimacy he wants to have with each of us on an individual basis, but also as a body of Christ here at Crossfields. But apply that to all the churches, all the believers throughout the world. He wants us to know him on a personal, intimate level. So as we look at this uh, verse 5, one of the things is a mother nurtures her young from the time she finds out she is pregnant to the time she dies. A good mom does that. There's various stages of nurturing. When a woman is pregnant, she usually watches her diet. She watches her intake of what type of food. She tries to exercise. But it goes beyond just the uh, physical food. She watches how she speaks. She watches what she listens to. A Christian mom might sing songs of praise. Knowing that the little one inside of her as he's developing or she's developing is hearing praise music at a young age. The mom is always trying to impart the best 
to her developing little one. Well, guess what? God does the same thing, doesn't he, to you and I, regardless of our age. He nurtures us through his Holy Spirit. He imparts things to us that are necessary for holiness and godliness. Now, remember what holiness is. Holiness is that you and I are being set apart for Jesus Christ. Some people are just set apart totally for their work, to make as much money as they can. Some people are set apart, they just want to be the greatest athletes in the world or the greatest actors in the world. But you and I, God has shed his grace on us. He's calling us to be separate to him in a world that's a Christ-rejecting world. If you know the scriptures, one day, believers in Jesus Christ, if they weren't raptured from the earth and then they became Christians after the rapture, They're going to be hunted down because the world doesn't want anybody who believes in Jesus Christ. They want to believe in a humanistic, secular God of their own making, of their own choosing. Now, there is a thing that you can give a baby is a formula. You can put it in a bottle and the baby drinks it. It's modeled after the mother's milk with key vitamins and minerals. Well, God has a formula for you and I. It's his word, the milk of his word. We can never get enough of that milk. And then as we mature, he gives us the meat of the word. Very important. We need to always understand that as we read, as we pray as we fellowship in Christ, God has given us vitamins and minerals, spiritually speaking. God's entire word is our balance. God's formula is a person, Jesus. That's his formula. A living, breathing Savior who suffered, was crucified for our sins, was died and was buried, but on the third day he arose from the dead, and he's coming back to judge the living and the dead. God is not finished with any of us. He wants to take us deeper in our relationship with you, but are you here tonight and you haven't even began that relationship yet? What is it going to take in this world For God to capture your heart. And believers that are here, what is it going to do for you to take a deeper step of faith with Jesus Christ? Notice the last part of verse 5. It says, which feed among the lilies. One of the things lilies uh, represent in the scripture is purity, cleanness. Notice the mom is feeding on that lily, that purity. What are we feeding on? What are we feeding on to bring into our hearts, into our minds? Hopefully the ratio of God's word to anything else is, blows it away. That it's in favor of what we're taking in through our eyes and our ears through God's word. 
Verse 6. Until the day breaks and the shadows flee away, I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh and to the hill of frankincense. In Genesis 32, 22, there's a story of Jacob, the Jacob of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Jacob had a confrontation with Jesus in the Old Testament in Genesis 32, 22. That's where it starts. Well, actually, it starts in 16 where I'm picking up. But he wrestled with God, and he didn't want to let go. God, Jesus said, I'm leaving now, if paraphrasing it. And Jacob said, well, no, do not leave until you bless me. Do you ever wrestle with God over things that are going on in your life? I do. I'm sure you do, too. And when you wrestle with God, do you see that the result of that wrestling most of the time is a blessing that comes? You might not see the blessing immediately, but down the road you look back. Now with Jacob, a thing happened to him. His hip was thrown out in the wrestling match with the Lord. And he had that hip out. He had a limp. But God did something very cool in that wrestling match. He changed his name from Jacob, which was deceiver, heel planner, you know, just always conniving, to Israel, which means governed by God. Don't let it surprise you if you've been through trials, going through trials, in the future we'll have trials. Because the trials are the very things God can use to purify you who is part of his body, the church, which is his bride. He's getting you and I ready for the wedding feast. There's a tremendous wedding feast one day where Jesus Christ is the groom and we're his bride. That's amazing. And he's chosen to use the trials and tribulations in our life to purify us and to help us, to get us to lean more on him and trust him more. Until the day breaks, you ever wake up in the middle of the night and it's hard to get back to sleep? That happened to me last night. So how do you deal with that when that happens to you? I try to pop in my headset, listen to scripture or listen to a teaching or listen to some Christian music. Try to pump my soul, my spirit with those things of the Lord. Otherwise, what happens? Doesn't your mind wander into the very thing that's probably keeping you up that night? You're worrying and stressing when you should be just chilling out and going to sleep to get ready for the next day to combat those things that are going to come your way. You see, we have a choice, don't we? All the time, don't we, to what we're feeding ourselves, what we're entertaining ourselves with. That night watch is very important how we use that. 
There's also in Revelation 22, 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. There is a bright morning star that just before sun rises up that's in the sky in the morning. Well, when you're going through that troubled time in the night watch, understand understand there's a bright morning star, Jesus Christ, that can be with you during the dark time while you're waiting for the S-U-N to rise. You can be with the S-O-N during that time of the night watch. And the shadows flee away in verse 6. What's the darkness in your life right now? What is it that you're holding on to that you know, if you're seeking the Lord or you're a believer in Jesus, that he's trying to have you release and get rid of? What is that shadow that's following you around? Most likely, it's wrapped up in self. It's something about you. Instead of being about the Lord, it's about you. You want that. You want to stay in your comfort zone. If you were with us in the first couple chapters of the Song of Solomon, the peasant girl, the Shulamite, she wanted to stay in the comfort of the chamber of the palace. She didn't want to go out and venture with the king. She didn't want, she just wanted to stay there. And the shadows flee away. You see, when Jesus Christ shines on you, the shadows flee away. The chain is broken. You're free to be who you are in him. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. We're still in verse 6. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. Remember, myrrh was one of the things that was brought to Jesus when he was first born. Myrrh was put on the sponge that went up to the parched lips of Jesus when he was hanging on the cross for you and me. Myrrh, most of the time in the scripture, is associated with death or suffering. I will go my way to the mountain of myrrh. Have you ever suffered? Are you suffering right now? Do you think there's a good chance before Jesus comes that you will suffer sometime in the future? I think the answer to all those questions is yes, because I'm just speaking from my own experience. But I've been around long enough to see that that impacts the young, the middle aged, and the old as well. There's no one that can escape that. It's part of the human condition. And that to the hill of frankincense. Remember, gold, frankincense, and myrrh were brought to Jesus as an infant. Frankincense was one of the things that they burned in the temple, the priests burned. 
When we pray, when we worship God, it's a sweet aroma to him. Jesus, who's sitting at the right hand of the Father and the Father, it's a sweet aroma coming from our heart to him. How many times do you and I pray more earnestly when there's a trial or when we're sick or when there's a suffering that we're going through, that we pray more, we get more serious with the Lord? Well, that's good. But I want to encourage you that even in the good times, pray with that sincerity, with that focus, not only in the bad times, but in the good times. Because Jesus loves that. He loves that intimacy of your heart with his all the time. Think as long as we're on this planet, there's going to be those mountains and valleys that we'll go through. Now, a mountain can be a mountain time experience. There was a mountain time experience here if you were here this past Sunday. God's spirit moved in a mighty way, didn't he? And we saw the fruit of that when we saw four or five individuals came up here to receive the Lord. Some were cousins of Andrew who passed away about a month ago. God's still working through the suffering, pain, and death of a young saint. Who's smiling at the face of God right now. It's amazing. So you can be on a mountain time experience, but I know that some of us, because I talked to you, on that day where we saw heaven come down and touch this place, people were still suffering in the midst of it. They were going through their own trials and tribulations. Verse 7. You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. Notice it says you are all fair. It doesn't say you will be fair. It says you are. Do you know right now as God sees you, he sees the finished product. He sees you complete in him. Now, of course, we don't. We know our strengths and weaknesses of ourselves and each other. But God sees the finished product. And because of his death on the cross, because of his blood being shed, in that verse 7, and there is no spot in you. There's no spot in you. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you put your trust in him, all your past wrongs and sins have been washed away. And tomorrow, if something happens tomorrow and you sin, guess what? It was already paid for. But we can confess our sins to the Lord anytime. Lord, I messed up today. Please forgive me. I get angry at somebody I shouldn't have. And guess what? That relationship is tight. But your sins have been forgiven. 
We need to ask God for forgiveness when we do things wrong because we want that relationship with Jesus to always be tight from our side to his. He's always there for us. It's us who leave. And there is no spot in you. Our flesh life, our self life must be crucified and destroyed before true revelation comes. The more we die to ourselves, the more God's word opens up to us. That we see the nuggets in it. We see the the jewels of his word even more. So what shadows are we holding on to? What shadows are we hiding in? Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? They hid from Jesus when they sinned. Now you might not be hiding from God, but what shadow are you, part of your spirit is still in? No spot in you. The word is used only 18 times in the Old Testament. Generally in describing the perfect sacrificial animals which were required. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, you and I are spotless if we put our trust in him. Never take that for granted. Never forget it. Never be surprised when you go through a trial or a tribulation. It's not a surprise to our Lord. And all things work together for good to those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. He's developing us. He's working us. He's he's refining us. He's purifying his bride. Back in chapter 2, the Shulamite woman did not want to go on the adventures with the king. She wanted him to just go it alone. She would see him later. In Ephesians 5:25 it says husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that they should be holy and without blemish So God gives us a marriage between a man and a woman, but he takes it further to his relationship with us, his church. We're being cleansed and sanctified every day by his Holy Spirit. Verse 8. Come with me from Lebanon, my spouse, with me from Lebanon. Look from the top of Amana, from the top of Sinir and Hermon, from the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards. Here we see in this verse the first reference to the Shulamite woman as his bride, his spouse. And I'm not going to Be redundant in saying it because it's important that you, as a believer, are part of his body. You are his bride. 
The wedding feast is coming. Look from the top of Amana. This comes from a Hebrew root word, which we get the English word amen from. Also, it's a Hebrew, Hebrew word for faith. From the top of Sinir and Hermon. You can view the world at these high points from God's perspective. Remember, the Shulamite girl did not want to go there back in chapter 2. Now, a couple chapters later, we're seeing her maturity. We're seeing her trust in her Savior, in her King. You and I, as we fellowship with each other, as we pray one-on-one, as we get into his word, we should see our maturity going deeper and our trust getting better with our Lord. How important is that, right? That we trust our Lord and our Savior with everything. We're willing to go with him anywhere. From the lion's dens, from the mountains of the leopards, Understand that Mount Hermon, depending on where you went, there were lions and leopards traveling. They were, they were hunting other animals. They would hunt you if you were up there without protection. So it's a place of spiritual warfare that's the way we can apply it. When we leave, when we come in this church, there could be spiritual warfare going on. When we leave the church and go home, there could be spiritual warfare going on. When we go to work tomorrow, we can hit spiritual warfare. When you're driving your car, you can get spiritual warfare. We're not immune from being in a war. The war is constant. But what should be happening as we mature in Jesus Christ, we should see how we're handling this war better than we've ever handled it before. And we talked about this in our staff meeting today. The last skirmishes before a war is over are usually the most intense. The last skirmishes before a war is over is usually the most intense. It's the most intense fighting. Brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, we're in a war. We're not home yet. It's going to get more intense. And it's important that you and I are intensely intimate with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we're getting to know him better. When we go to combat, We have our armor on, Ephesians 6 armor, the armor of God. Jesus living inside of us through his Holy Spirit, we're an army of two, you and the Lord. And if he surrounds you with other believers in Jesus, awesome. But guess what? That army of two, you and the Lord, can do a lot of damage to Satan's kingdom.
Now those mountains are also beautiful. The mountains of Lebanon. A lot of them are snow-covered mountains. They're gorgeous to look at. Lebanon is a beautiful place. Jesus' countenance in the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, 15, was compared to the beauty of Lebanon. You and I, though, must see things from a higher and bigger perspective. In Ephesians 2, 4 to 6, it says, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. God's mercy is rich to you, is new to you, I'm sorry, God's mercy is new to you and me every morning. He loves you as much as he loves anybody else in the whole world. Whether you do something good or bad, his love never changes for you. He desires that intimate fellowship with you. And if you're here tonight and you haven't received Jesus as your Savior, he's calling you. He wants to capture your heart. He wants to capture your love. He wants to capture you for all eternity so the enemy of your soul does not capture you for all eternity. I want to close with a, uh, a video, a, um, a, a song, but I want to read you the words first and then allow God minister to you through that. If you don't know Jesus, there'll be some people up here tonight to help you say a prayer with you so that you can give your heart over to Jesus. So he can capture your heart. And maybe you're here tonight and you've been sort of like that lukewarm Christian. Well, he wants to capture your heart too. He doesn't want part of your heart. He wants your whole heart. David was a man after God's heart. But remember, David was a murderer. He was an adult liar. Yet he asked for forgiveness. He repented. He was a man after God's own heart. Are you a man? Are you a woman? After God's own heart. Solomon had a half heart towards God. Saul, the first king of Israel, had no heart towards God. What percentage does God have of your heart and mine? Here's a song. Um, Steve Curtis Chapman wrote the song. It's called Remember to Remember. And I'm going to read it, and then we're going to just uh, watch the video. Well, I've been looking back over my shoulder, retracing every step, trying to unforget. And I see the mountaintops I've journeyed over, and I see the valleys deep where I crawled on my hands and my knees. 
pages and memories filled with joy and stained with tears. They call my name, and if I listen, I can hear them saying, Remember the way he led you up to the top of the highest mountain. Remember the way he carried you through the deepest dark. Remember his promises for every step on the road ahead. Look where you've been and where you're going, and remember to remember, remember, remember. And now I'm looking out at the road that's waiting, but my eyes can only see so far out ahead of me. As sure as the sun will shine, there'll be more mountains I will climb and more deep, dark shadowlands where desperate faith is all I have. Until I'm home, I'm resting all my hope and trust in the only one whose name is God with us. Remember the way he led us up to the top of the highest mountain. Remember the way he carried us through the deepest dark. Remember his promises for every step on the road ahead. Look where we've been and where we're going and remember to remember. Now, that's the song. But I've, what I'm seeing is that there is a following in the churches throughout our world where young pastors and young teachers who are ignorant of Scripture, and some are older, they're ignorant of Scripture, and they're too unaware or too unconcerned about the purity of Scripture and the holiness of the God we are learning about, reading about, or singing to. It is time for the church to rediscover the preeminence of the Word of God and to value the teaching of the Word. We need to value truth over feeling, truth over emotion, And what we are seeing now is a result of the church raising up influencers who did not supremely value truth, who have led a generation who also do not believe in the supremacy of truth. And now those disavowed leaders are proudly still leading and influencing boldly away from the truth. They're antichrist. They're taking the place of Christ. They're deceivers. If you don't know your word, you can be deceived. Steve Curtis Chapman is one of the greatest Christian songwriters of all time. Um, Marie and I, when we were first married, we went to two or three of his concerts live. He was at Carnegie Hall. I don't know how many people know who he is. But we open up tonight about being nurtured, that God is, wants to nurture us, that he wants to continue to move us forward. He doesn't want us to forget where we came from, but we also need to remember where we're going to. So if you need prayer tonight, if you want to receive the Lord tonight, there'll be people here to pray with you. So just be blessed and understand that one day we're going to be in heaven with him for glory forever. But he's not done. We need to be about our father's business. Amen. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfield's by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.